All right, thank you. That was awesome. So um, hit uh, hit escape <coughs> over by your left hand, and then it should be down here. It's the other one that looks plain. <laughs> so um, thank you, Mike. That's awesome. And uh, um, so Mike is, is only able to do this once a month because he's in the praise band. So, but really we'd like to be doing worship every, every living well class. So if you have musical ability, if you have some talent hidden there somewhere and you haven't told anybody the Lord will find you. No, no. Seriously, though, um, I mean, we'd love to have worship every week. And uh, so if, uh, um, if the Lord so leads you, uh, let us know. So we are going to, uh, um, so I'm going to be, uh, uh, we're taking a break from First John, obviously. So I'm going to um, talk about uh, when Moses and the Israelites were in the, the wilderness. So just to kind of kind of give an overview of what's going on. So in the book of Exodus, um, most people know, so the Lord called Moses to go and lead the Israelites out of, uh, um, now I'll leave it there for now, um, called Moses to lead Israel out of bondage in Egypt. Um, they leave Egypt and they find themselves in the wilderness of sin, which I remember reading that thinking, that's sin. Like, is that, like, does he really mean? Yeah, like some of the pictures in the Bible are like really obvious, right? <laughs> so, oh, and actually too, so our table set up, like if you're having to like crane around to see me, you can go ahead and turn your chair so that you don't have to like strain your neck. We don't want any repetitive injuries in here. Actually, we don't want any injuries of any kind. So um, feel free to move your chair if you want to. Um, so, but, but the wilderness of sin is a picture of the world plunged in sin. And so here you have these Israelites out in this, this world that they don't understand, they don't know yet. Um, and, and the picture of the nation of Israel is uh, brand new Christians. So they get out in this wilderness and they start murmuring against Moses because of a lack of water and a lack of food. Um, and the Bible says they're really murmuring against God, but they're, but they're complaining to Moses about it. And uh, because that's new Christians have not learned to trust Lord, the Lord for all of their provisions. Um, and then God provides these things supernaturally, right? We have the, the water coming out of the rock. Moses strikes the rock and water comes out. We have the manna coming from heaven, which, I mean, really, you go to bed, you come out, and there's bread all over the ground. <laughs> it's it's pretty, pretty amazing. So um, after that, so those were kind of the internal struggles. After that, they face an external struggle. Amalek comes against them, 
and they have to fight against Amalek. And that's the story where Joshua takes men to fight with Amalek and Moses is up on the hill. And then when he holds the rod up, Israel wins. When he puts the rod down, then Amalek starts to win. And so they pull up a rock. Here's, here's, here's my rock right here, the chair. <laughs> they pull up a rock for him to sit on. And, uh, um, and then Aaron and her hold his arms up so that he can keep his arms up. And then Israel wins. So that's where we're at. That's kind of, uh, oh, and then one other thing. So after that, um, Mos- or Jethro brings to Moses uh, his wife Zipporah and their two sons. So they have not been with Moses through this time, which is actually a great picture of uh, the rapture. So you have a Gentile bride. Suddenly the Gentile bride disappears. And then the nation of Israel goes through a huge trial. And then the bride comes back. So, um, which if you ever... I have an uncle who is a post-trib person and I was trying to talk with them and he's like, you know, we can talk about it, but I'm going to use all the same verses that you use to prove your point, to prove mine. So I was like, okay, well, so what about this one with the picture of the bride, the Gentile bride being removed, they go through and then I showed them several others and you you won't find another picture in the Bible where there's a Gentile bride and a Jewish bride and they go through this horrible tribulation and the Gentile bride is just miraculously taken care of and the, you won't see it. So um, anyway, so that's kind of, that's kind of where things are at. And uh, um, so we'll pick it up from there. Um, I'm going to pray and we'll get to it. Heavenly Father, Lord, uh, um, thank you so much for this day and this opportunity. And, uh, um, you know, uh, uh, I'm, I'm physically tired and worn out. And, uh, um, but Lord, this is, this is not my time. This is your time and your message. And so, Lord, I pray. Um, your presence here, Lord, I pray you would speak, um, the message, um, your word says where two or three are gathered, you're here in the midst. So Lord, we, we just invite you in to be a part of this and, uh, Lord, to change hearts and to change minds. And, um, we love you, Lord. We praise you in Jesus name. Amen. Um, real quick. If you turn around, somehow the growths have become pinned. You need the other keyboard that you have. And I'll let you advance the slide one. So uh, we are in Exodus 18. So when Jethro comes and brings Moses's wife and kids, um, he sees what he gets a look at what Moses is doing. Do what? 
Yeah, Jethro, there we go. So, no, that's not right. Oh, you've got two pins somehow. Pardon me, technical, uh, short technical break. Let's try that spotlight for everyone. There we go. Uh, Dempsey's still in training. <laughs> so, I don't know. I mean, Jethro was from Midian where there's oil, right? And that's. So, uh, um, <laughs> Exodus 18, verse 19. Um, oh, no, I need to back up a little bit, which means I'm going to need. Sorry, I was up really late. Can you tell? Okay, Exodus 18, let's start in verse 13. And it came to pass on the morrow that Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood by Moses from morning until evening. And when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he did to the people, he said, what is this thing that thou doest to the people? Why sittest thou thyself alone? And all the people stand by thee from morning until evening. So, and then Moses says, uh, Moses said unto his father-in-law, because the people come unto me to inquire of God. So I'm actually going to skip down a little bit to verse 18 to talk about uh, Jethro's good advice. Oh, that says 19. Oh yeah, verse 19, 18, 19. Hearken now unto my voice, I will give thee counsel and God shall be with thee. Be thou for the people to Godward, that thou mayest bring the causes unto God. So, the uh, um, so he says to Jethro says to Moses, "Hey, look, the the people need representation to God. You need you need to be that representation." And so, um, particularly in leadership. I mean, you've got to spend a lot of time on your knees in prayer. But even if you're just if you're just a participant in ministry, the first thing we need to do is we need to be praying for our ministries. the The last thing in the world we want is to have ministry move forward in our own power. Because I know what I'm capable of. I've worked all my life, and I don't really have a lot. <laughs> okay, but I mean, the things that God has done, I mean, he's the, the plagues that were beset on Egypt and he delivered 
the people and brought them through the Red Sea. I mean, those are things that we cannot do even together. God has to do those things. And the way those things happen is through prayer. Um, you know, Psalms uh, 127.1, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Um, I, don't want, I don't want my labor to be in vain. So I need to be praying. Uh, we know, uh, I think it's James 4.2, you have not because you ask not. Um, and so, I mean, ministry, ministry takes a lot of work, but, you know, Jesus said in Matthew 11, 29 and 30, take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I am meek and lowly in heart and you shall find rest unto your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It takes a lot of work, but when the Lord is working for you, when the Lord is, Lord is working through you, things kind of work out, don't they? So, so in ministry and in discipleship, prayer needs to be first, and we need God's results. And uh, um, also for discipleship, so how many, how many disciplers do we have in here? Quite a few. Um, when you start discipling somebody, crazy comes to town, right? So this is another thing is, is for discipleship, we've got to be praying because not only does our disciple need protection, our disciplers need protection, which is really, that's one of the things I say I've, I've taught um, cost of discipleship once or twice and something i always say it's like when you get in the middle as a disciple when you get in the middle of this and you think you can't go on just remember your discipler your discipler went through all this knows exactly what's going to happen they chose it because they know it's worth it and so when you think you can't go on just just keep going <laughs> but uh, um, so, and then we see this in one of our ministry principles. Our very first ministry principle is we are a house of prayer. So, Midtown Baptist Temple, this is where we've put it, prioritized it in, in terms of ministry, is right at the top. So, the next thing. He says is, I guess I could be advancing them now that we have the slides and thing. Uh, and thou shalt teach them ordinances and laws and shalt show them the way in where they must walk and the work that they must do. Um, new Christians, remember, because the, the nation of Israel, these picture new Christians. Um, new Christians that are never discipled they end up leading carnal lives and they lead miserable lives um, because they're just, they're living like the world and that's not what the Lord wants for them. But, but until they know better, they're going to do what they know. Um, 
So they didn't, so they didn't really know anything yet. So they needed to be taught. And then it says, and show them the way in, the way wherein they must walk. So as disciplers, as mature Christians, it's great to teach, but we need to walk it too, because they need to see it. And really that's the, that's the best way, right? I can, I can tell Dempsey how to set up the stuff, um, but when I show it to him, that's when he really learns. And then when I make him do it, that's when he really, really learns. So um, I uh, worked in IT for a lot of, lot of years, and uh, um, we have something called the Ono second. It's the space of time between when you hit the enter key and you realize you've made a huge mistake. <laughs> and that's, uh, we, we learn a lot, but we learn the most through doing. Um, and then this is also reflected in our ministry principles. Ministry principle number two is we are always making disciples. That's what we do here at Midtown is make disciples. And then uh, number six, our, servant, our leaders are servant leaders. So we don't have any leaders that just lord over people and tell them what to do. Our leaders are, I mean, we see it. Pastor Best comes and He's, he's cleaning with us, right? He's, he's a pastor. He shouldn't have to clean, right? No. He, he cleans with us. Um, Kenny Morgan is another example. So talking about cleaning, he takes, he cleans the toilets. And the reason why he does that is because he thinks, okay, this is the worst job. I'm going to take the worst job. He purposely takes the worst, what he views as the worst job because he doesn't want to be seen as being a Lord. He wants to set the example of taking that humble position. Um, so the next one, verse 21, moreover, thou shalt provide out of all the people, able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, rulers of tens. So, and I looked at this as developing a team um, concept in ministry. It's, uh, um, it's great to do stuff, but again, if you're going to disciple, you kind of, you need other people there, right? And Going back to the cleaning, I mean, it's hard work to clean this church if there's only one or two of you. But if there's 10, then you're typically not working alone. So there's somebody there to talk to while you're working. And it's actually, it can be joyful. You're, you're working, but you're not really working. You're talking and you're catching up on things and seeing what people were doing and finding out about what's going on. And next thing you know, the church is clean. It's a good time. So I like ribbing my disciples. It's great. 
So, and we see the, uh, um, we see the team concept. So in 1 Corinthians 12, there's a whole section about the body. Um, but the, verse seven, but the manifestation of the spirit is given to every man to profit with all. So that means that each of you, God gifted each of you to profit everybody else in the body. So it's great to get a gift. It's even better to get a lot of gifts. So the great thing about that is like my gift isn't for me, but I give it out to everybody. And then everybody gives me a gift. I get way more than the one, right? It's good. It's awesome. God's, God's a genius. It goes without saying, but verse 14, but for the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? If the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole body were hearing, where were the smelling? So God has got all these, these various, we have all these various members and God made it so that we need each other. We actually, it's, I mean, at first I, I gave the team concept as it's fun, but really we actually, we need each other. We need each other's gifts. So, uh, and, and I kind of, I took them backwards. So back to the, the team thing and being more rewarding. So Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12 says, two are better than one because they have good reward for their labor. There's a lot, I've been working with a buddy of mine on remodeling jobs and everything we've done could be done by a single person. But there were times when we were like running wire. Oh man, it is so much better to have one person pulling and another person feeding. Because when you're by yourself and you're doing that, you're going up, you pull, oh, it won't come anymore. Then you go back down, around, oh, okay, get the kink out, get it. Go around, back up, start pulling some more. It's a horrible pain. But just having that second person makes it infinitely easier. Um, for if they, verse 10, for if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone and he falleth. For he hath not a number, another to help him. So it can actually be dangerous to work alone. Again, if two lie together, they have heat, but how can one be warm alone? And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. As the numbers get up, things get a little better. Things get a lot better, actually. All right, next one. Oh, and I didn't stick my verse in here. Oh, no, no, okay. Sorry, I'm still back on the other one. 
I guess I already said this. Leaders, our leaders must lead and not lord. Um, and uh, Paul gave Paul said this in Philippians two seventeen. Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. So Job Paul saying, hey, I mean, if it kills me serving you, I'm happy to do it. Um, Peter, 1 Peter 5, 3, neither is being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. So another thing about this is like, if you're, if you're a leader, those people aren't really yours. They're actually God's people. And so you're going to lord over God's people? Probably don't want to do that. So be an example to the flock. So be that example. And then we see these, uh, uh, we see this in ministry principle five and six. Uh, ministry principle number five is our members engage in ministry service. So if you don't have a place in ministry, there is more ministry at Midtown going on than anybody could actually label and write out. There are so many ministries here. So get involved in one. Um, and probably the easiest one to get into is hospitality. I know driving, if you, have a, if you can drive well, if you're a bad driver, don't talk to Tim. <laughs> but... <laughs> you what? Lowered the standards? <laughs> standards are low now okay we have good insurance huh and then i already mentioned uh ministry principle number six our leaders are servant leaders now verse 22 all right and let them judge the people at all seasons and it shall be that every great matter that they shall bring unto thee oh, but that that every great matter they shall bring unto thee but every small matter they shall judge, so shall it be easier for thyself, and they shall burden, bear the burden with thee. So, um, if new leaders are not trained, the church will die. I mean, eventually, the pastor will get old, and he'll he'll go away. Um, my mother uh, attends a church, uh, an Assembly of God church, and they don't actually, so if their pastor decides to leave, which happened recently, um, they just, they hire a new pastor. So, I mean, they get applications. I mean, it's like a job. They get applications, they come in, they interview these people, they might come and preach a few times, but they like hire this person. Well, Typically what happens is when a pastor is there, the people come to know him and love him. And then when he leaves, like half the congregation goes somewhere else. They've, they've, I mean, the pastor may be going out of state, so maybe they don't follow that pastor. But a lot of times, like the church suffers because there's no continuity. They don't know. I mean, the leader is gone. Um, I don't think that'll happen here because, well, if God forbid, if Sam were to get hit by a car and he was just gone, we have people that, that can step up and take that role. And we're familiar with them. The direction of Midtown 
is not going to change because of the presence of Sam Miles. That's because we've trained leaders and they're, they're aware of the ministry principles and they believe in them. And so uh, um, we won't suffer like that. Um, and I, th- Sam's going to stay around. Okay. He's not getting hit by a car. Be careful when you pull out. Um, the other side of it is, is when you're training leaders, people make mistakes. I talked about the Ono second. I tell you what, those were the times I learned the most because not only did I learn what not to do, I learned how to fix it. <laughs> um, but you have to, it's harder to let somebody make a mistake and clean it up, but we've got to do that. If you're in a ministry, give your leaders grace when they make a mistake because they're learning. When you become a leader, don't don't be afraid to make a mistake. Keep moving forward. I spent a lot of years with analysis paralysis. I mean, I, I would be afraid to do anything because I was afraid to make a mistake. And so I just wouldn't do anything. Well, life doesn't move forward like that. And ministry won't move forward if we're afraid to move. So um, it's okay to make a mistake. Ministry principle number seven, we are always training leaders. So, and this isn't a sermon on the ministry principles. So there's, there's some gaps there. They won't get filled in, but the nine ministry principles, I don't know where they're actually posted, but I couldn't find it on the main website, but uh, um, I had them in some teaching materials. If you're interested in what the nine ministry principles are, I will get them for you and you can see them. You're interested. Okay. So, um, yeah, I'll get a hold of those. Key point number one, uh, Midtown is already doing these things. So find your place in the ministry structure, whether, well, and really the discipleship structure as well. If you haven't been discipled, at least go to cost of discipleship and find out what it's about. Um, but this is a discipleship church. It almost, it kind of doesn't make sense to be here if you're not going to get discipled at some point. Um, and then plug into a ministry somewhere and uh, start growing with every, start growing with the, the rest of the body. All right. So some of Jethro's advice was actually bad advice. So he began, I skipped a couple verses, and this is the way he began. Verse 17, and Moses' father-in-law said unto him, the thing that thou doest is not good. Thou Thou wilt surely wear away both thou and this people that is with thee, for this thing is too heavy for thee. Thou art not able to perform it thyself alone which actually, I mean, on the surface, sounds very reasonable until you look at the picture. So 
Who put Moses in this position? God put him there. Would show me the story in the Bible where God put somebody in a position of ministry so that they would fail. It's not there. When God wants his people to do something, he makes a way for them to do it, whether they'll do it or not. <laughs> so, so this is, God made the plan and put Moses in the position where he was at. God makes the plans and then he provides. Now we don't always see the provision. The provision doesn't always come in our time. Um, you know, I missed out on a lot of sleep. I'll get some after the preaching, <laughs> but I'll get sleep. Um, but there's never a lack. And actually I heard a sermon one time, which I thought was really awesome. Talked about before there's a need, God has the supply. He doesn't make up the supply after the need is there. And, and the, the most obvious example is salvation. So Jesus Christ is the answer to sin. Well, Jesus Christ existed far before there was a sin problem. The supply was there before the need was there. And so uh, we need to... Uh, we need to recognize that when, when we're in ministry, if we're called to that ministry, it may be hard, but God's got a supply for you. You're, you're going to be okay. Um, it's, it's worth it. I talked about the disciples. I, when I went through discipleship, I had cancer twice. My father almost died. I mean, it was insane. But I still chose to disciple somebody. I can't remember what happened when I went through discipleship with Al, but I just every time something something happens, it's worth it. It's worth it. Um So the, the fruit of ministry is, is salvations. You see, people's, you see people saved. You see people grow. I mean, it is, it is so cool to see somebody do something they didn't think they could do and, and enjoy it. Uh, lives are transformed. And then for, for you personally, if you'll engage in ministry and you'll do the hard work, there's reward at the judgment seat of Christ. That's that judgment is not about our sin. That's already been dealt with. The judgment seat of Christ is about reward. So, um, yeah. So the last, the last key point ministry is not easy. It's hard, but it's worth it. And when it's hard, don't give up. I can't tell you how many times Chris has said, you know, I know there have been so many jumping off points for you, Scott, but you just keep coming and you're faithful. I heard him telling, this is crazy. I heard him telling that to somebody else. 
using me as an example. And I would just thinking in myself at the time, like, I'm going to quit. And then he's telling somebody else about how faithful I am. I'm like, oh. <laughs> well, I can't give up now. <laughs> You'll have those times. You'll have those times of darkness. You'll have those times when you feel weak. You'll have times when you want to give up. Don't give up. And part of it too is lean on, lean on your fellows. That's another reason for the team ministry. If you feel like giving up, call somebody and get some encouragement. We're all here for you. So that is it. Um, I think I might've put the question. Yeah, they're on the back and, uh, um, and they're on the board. So uh, um, you guys feel good? Any questions? friend of mine had asked me, we've been discussing that faith and, and trials, and if your faith is not tested with this question, is it really faith? Because you haven't been burdened by your faith yet to know that you have a real faith to persevere through that stuff. Right? Yeah. So that's a, so that's a, that's a actually a really good question. And um, so So for the, so I talked about carnal Christians. So if a Christian is not engaged in ministry service, if they're not engaged in the battle, then the trial is going to be very small because they're not, they're not living in faith. So like you might not even see it as like a trial of faith because the, the Lord doesn't give you more than you can handle. And that carnal Christian that's not engaged in the battle, they, they can't handle much. So those things will be very small and, and maybe almost non-existent, okay? As you get engaged in ministry service, then you're right. You'll, the trials will become bigger. Um, I think about Dan Renault with this. We're coming into all church retreat. Dan Renault has developed this thyroid problem that's affecting his voice. Well, he's teaching there. Well, what do we do? We pray. We pray and we trust the Lord to come through. That's a big trial. Last night, I went to, I went to bed and I started coughing. And I was like, oh, Lord. What can I be getting? Am I getting sick? I mean, if I wake up with a sore throat and a fever, I don't even know who to call, what to do. Because uh, Chris didn't tell me he wasn't going to be here, but he's, but he's not here. <laughs> I, was, I was pretty sure he wasn't going to be here. Otherwise, he'd have been preaching. So, um, you know, I. I prayed and sat up for a little while coughing and I went back to bed. But to your point, yeah, if you're, if you're not seeing any problems at all, you, you might not be where God wants you to be. So 
If you are where God wants you to be and there are no problems, well, good for you. Praise the Lord. Don't tell, don't tell me about it. <laughs> All right. So um, go ahead and break up into groups. And for our new people, just stay right there because you're actually in a really good spot. And uh, um, we'll come back together and like 20 minutes and do our, our little thing. So awesome. And you guys online, you get to be a group. We won't be able to hear you. So you won't be able to be part of the report, but we love you guys. Can you hear me Amra? I can. Awesome. Can you hear me? Yes. You did good. I'm glad they got the thing fixed so we could hear them. They have that trouble every week, I think. I think it's just the end user. <laughs> <laughs> no. They do something in there. And, and there's a... Yeah. is just learning, but they do something in there. And I know when Gail was learning to do it, they had the same problem and they'd be talking away and talking away. And I'm, I'm sitting at home because it was during COVID time. And I'm like, no, no, I can't hear you guys. Stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> no use. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, they're going to swing by, um, to help me with the, to help us with the washer and dryer. So I'm trying to clean up the house. I'm trying to have things organized, you know, so when they come, they just do that in and out and they don't spend too much time because it's Sunday. It's nice that they offer help. Can oh, you hear me? Uh, Gail, he's gonna oh. come and then Farid and maybe a neighbor here. Oh, good. Because it's just a washer and dryer, one table and two uh, dressers. That's all we have left, everything else. Oh, no, let me take that back. And there's a little fireplace, electric fireplace. And that's it. Uh, like pretty much we are already in that new house. But there's so much work over there. It's like a construction zone over there. I'm moving in. And I'm moving straight into another construction zone. So it's not. Oh, I'm so I sorry. Nah, it's okay. We moved in this house in the winter. It was uh, Valentine's Day that we, we uh, signed our papers. And yeah. um, so it's really cold outside. And I was cooking dinner. We're having, I can't remember. I think it was a Bible study. And we were having dinner. So potluck. Yeah. And I've got the oven, the microwave, and a whole bunch of stuff going and um the power goes out <gasps> so this house it was the wiring in this house we never did get it working we had a home warranty with ab may but they can't yeah. come for two days well that's not helping us the furnace needs electricity to fire up so we're going to freeze to death <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah i was so kind of not too happy but the wiring in here scott had to have it rewired he, he looked at it and a friend of his looked at it and then his friend came, he's an electrician and he took care of it. 
But man, what a mess. All the new appliances use electricity different than the old appliances. Yeah, I know. And we have the same problem in this old house. Like if you plug in microwave and, and you maybe use, I don't know, coffee pot, it trips the fuse. Yeah, ours tripped the whole house. It was gone. There was no power and you couldn't get it back on. <laughs> that was terrible. <laughs> yeah, and I had I had actually a really good electrician, but he said, well, this is expensive. You mm -hmm. would have to redo the whole house. And he said we would have to go through the walls. And I don't know. He's like, well, maybe just to add more, uh, you know, like expand the fuse box and then add more separate circuits you know so that would help but he said eventually you know these old homes <laughs> everybody will have a problem so we have an electrician in our church if you haven't oh, already do. done something i don't know if he he's still doing work or not because he works for the church too mm -hmm, but, mm -hmm. um scott knows him and okay so i'll, I'll mention to scott and see what what he says Scott knows everybody in the church. So, I mean, there are people in the church. There's roof. There's a, well, no, we don't have a roofer anymore. He went yeah. to Dan Renault's church, but uh, he would still come out and do it because you're in the church family. Oh, that's nice. I mean, he's still going to charge you because he works for a company, but he's not going to charge you what an, another big company is going to charge you. Yeah. I mean, Andrew was also really good help. We had the, uh... I'm sorry, I'm trying to eat and talk to you. Um, he had to replace some pipes, you know, in, in the bathroom because we don't have money to redo bathroom because it would be like a close to 10,000. Mm -hmm. It's not even really a big bathroom, you know, like old homes, small bathrooms. But it would be a lot of work, like, you know, you have to replace the plywood under under the tiles and then retile and then remove and then it's cast iron bathtub i mean they would have to break it inside so it's like let's not do that it's gonna be rental eventually you know when we get to that we will get to that so we call the guy who's gonna just paint over so he's gonna fix the chips and they give you like a five-year warranty which is just enough you know and Actually, we got two quotes. One was 1,800 and tiles around, you know, because they have to do that like a, like the whole thing. So you would not end up having, you know, like maybe cracks between tiles and, uh, and the bathtub and that new coat. And then, you know, you might have a leak inside, mm. in, inside the walls. So they have to do like the whole thing is going to be almost like one smooth surface. You still have to do some caulking, but first quote was 1800, second quote came uh, below 1200. Wow. Yeah, so I can live with 1200. I can not live with $10,000 for the rental. You know, if it's our bathroom in that new house, yeah, sure. But for rental, I was like, no, I don't think we should do that. So we'll see. I mean, he's supposed to come on the 23rd, and that should be the last thing to be done in this house. And then after that, I'm just gonna paint that bathroom and we are done. But trust me, I was, I had an interview at work for a new position in my department. Mm 
and I didn't didn't do right because I was so tired, so absent-minded, so exhausted, you know. A guy is asking me a question and I'm going from the... And it was the first day when God created... <laughs> Yeah. It's like you you are not answering my questions and I'm thinking like I I don't even remember your question <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> so I'm just kind of like guessing what he asked because I already forgot. So I did not do well. I still didn't hear did they hire somebody or I'm still in the game but it was really really painful. I thought that I'm going to be really good because you know my resume is strong i have some letters of recommendation i have certificates of appreciation i have tons plus i've been doing this job for 11 years so there's no unknown to me you should but talk when i start to but when i start talking i just I, I blocked completely he's like uh you're not answering my questions and i'm thinking would be good if i could just remember what you just said <laughs> <laughs> so I told him, I was like, I'm, I'm tired. I'm trying to uh, have two homes ready so I wouldn't have a mortgage back to back. You know, I have other activities and I'm really focused at work because, you know, I'm, I'm not behind. I'm, I can separate personal from business. But it's like this interview really killed everything. And did everything good I did all these 11 years. Because it's a new manager. You know, it's not old manager, so he already knows me. He wouldn't even ask questions. It's a new guy, so he does not know anything about me. And I'm trying to, you know, put myself in a good light. Well, I was in some light, but it wasn't good. Oh, I'm so sorry. I know. And uh, I, I was really stressed out, and I came home, and I was crying, and... Farid is like, it's going to be okay. I was like, no, this is a unique opportunity because my company doesn't always have open position to offer to internal hire. They are mostly hiring from the outside. And now I got position, I got opportunity, and I just couldn't deliver. So, yeah, it's okay. Maybe something else will come up soon or, or not. I mean, I have enough. It's just, uh, I really wanted kind of like a better streamlined position, less stressful position. It wouldn't be less work. It just would be less communicating with the people on a daily basis, you know, because I was almost, I was assistant. Actually, I am assistant. But whoever needs help with anything since I've been there a very long time, right? Mm -hmm. They would come to me. So you, you, you're trying to do your job. You're trying to be nice and kind. You're trying not to be interrupted, you know, so you could finish and meet your deadlines. And here comes somebody who didn't have much to do today. And they want to talk about something which is irrelevant or it can wait two months from now, but they want that to be done now. So it's like constantly reminding myself that God loves his children and I should love his children because 
he loves me. But <laughs> sometimes it's really hard. And he has something for you, and it may be this job. You never know. Maybe, or maybe he's telling me, you know what? I, I gave you everything. Why can't you just relax? Why can't you just enjoy what you have? Yeah, and, he, and something else will come up. Yeah, but with all honesty, that job would be more responsibilities, not less responsibilities. It would be more demanding and maybe even uh, traveling involved, you know, because we have a, a farms in Gaiman, Oklahoma. We have a farms in Holyoke, Colorado. So you have to go over there. You have to talk to those people and, you know, conduct business for them because they are maintaining farms and pigs. And right now I don't have to travel. But like I said, I just wanted the little recognition. So, and now it's like, okay. I look like a village clown in the eyes of this new guy. <laughs> or I sounded like a village clown. But it's okay. It's like, you know what? It's not the end of the world. I still have a job and I have to focus on this house and this project because it's really... I mean, we already paid one mortgage back to back. That wasn't fun. We had to do that for nine months. It took nine months to sell the old house. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to... I mean, it's, it's really not house or obstacles. It's just the time we don't have to have this out for rental. For renting. So... When I was working, I applied for a job. Our manager uh, left, and so we had a manager position open over our team. And yeah. I know I could do the job, and I applied for it, and they gave it to somebody that was not qualified. And I was so mad. And this is how God takes care of you. That layer of management all across the board at work went away. They, got, they all lost their jobs, so I would have lost my job. God took care of me and kept me there. And that's how I'm thinking, too, because what must be the reason why am I still here in this position and not making progress? But with all honesty, I really did not need better position, maybe a little bit better compensation, you know, but it's just that recognition. I do a lot, but many, um, many of the things I do, they don't get recognized as done by me, you know, like people just take advantage and then they present that, oh, I, this is what I did. And I have to do all the legwork. Plus it puts me behind my regular work. So now you look bad and you're doing everything. Oh. Well, we'll see. I mean, uh, I'm not gonna take that against him because like I said, he doesn't even know me. I don't even know him. Maybe he is a wonderful guy, you know, and I just don't wanna feel bitter just because he didn't give me positions. Just I'm aware that I could do better, but I didn't. I missed the opportunity, but like I said, maybe it wasn't meant to be. But right now I have to focus on this and because this is our future. You know? So rentals and maybe even buying more and rent more. And then I don't have to depend on this job. I can depend on myself. So we'll see. How are you doing? How's your Sunday going? Oh, 
I'm doing good. I had to stay home for Jack. Jack had eye surgery. And uh, he had a, a non-healing corneal ulcer. And they use a diamond burr and file it off. And he got an infection. And so now I'm putting drops in his eyes every hour. <laughs> oh, gosh. Have to do that for another week, week and a day. How much did that cost? Oh, gosh. Almost $1,000. It was a lot of money. Wow. Well, you it cost 800, but then there was a, the, the infection wasn't planned. So that cost almost 200 more for the medicines because he's got three eye drops that go in. So every hour he gets two eye drops, but he alternates one of them. So there's, it's really weird. I'm going to seriously think soon as we. With God's help, right? Move into this new house. I'm I'm getting insurance for these two because I would rather pay thirty-five dollars a month per dog than pay like five, six thousand dollars. They start aging, you know. So yeah. they have some problems. They have problems with their teeth. And I mean one of them. So I'm thinking, what was that? Wow. Well, no, it was something weird, like uh, like it, like I had a um, dishwasher on, but I didn't. Maybe it was me. I moved my laptop. No, no, it was seriously in the house because it. Marsha was like, "What is that?" Her ears went up. Oh, I don't know. And it's, it's but it's not the refrigerator. It's not, I don't know. Well, I'll have to ask Andrew to check check because he was changing some pipes in the kitchen and. We had some weird stuff going on and some leaks and then he did it, but then it leaked after and I did not know, you know, so by the time I, I realized it was leaking, it was already three days later, right? Yeah. Because it's uh, under the kitchen uh, sink and, and it was, it's, a, it's really old kitchen, you know, those old flat styles but solid, you know. And when I bought this house, I was like, I don't want to give up of this kitchen. Because all these new kitchens are good, but they're flimsy. Yeah. And this is uh, made of plywood. So I was thinking maybe to do an upgrade, maybe replace just because they are custom made. Do custom made doors, you know, do like yeah. a shaker style and refresh mm -hmm. that. And then that's it. I mean, it's solid. It's it serves the purpose. Maybe the drawers are not smooth, you know, but maybe I could do those gliders and yeah. get something and make it look better. But other than that, ours was an oak kitchen and I didn't like the color, but I like the wood. I shopped around and I had the same problem as you. I don't like the quality of the new cabinets. So we, we had a guy come in and paint them. He, he comes in and it's a five-day process and he's, he strips them, sands yeah. them, and then oil-based, and then he, uh, oil-based primer, and then he paints. And then he cleans up. He spends a whole day cleaning up. He is so good. And I don't really like painted cabinets, but you, these are the thinner doors, so you, you can't sand them too much. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I really like the work that he did for right now. And then Scott will make new doors. <laughs> Oh, he's what do you think? Oh, yeah. Let's, anybody, uh, let's listen. 
Wasn't I stalking? Do they have anything earth shattering? Do they have anything mildly interesting? I guess I should put this up here. What do you think? Chris usually starts over here, I think. So it's. Yeah. Oh, we're here. What do you got? Okay, there's always something for the body to do. Yes, very true. Well, and you, God gifted everybody. So even if you think you have no gifts, you're wrong. God gave you something. I, I didn't know what my gifts were. It took other people to tell me. So I would not have guessed this would be one so <laughs> oh yeah sweet Cool. All right. Middle table here. Did you have anything to share with like everybody? Awesome. What did he say? <laughs> yeah, have to be ready to endure hardness. So this was the mature table. They all knew where they were at and have a plan for moving forward. That's awesome. No, really seriously, though, that's that's good. That's everybody should know where they're at and have a plan for moving forward. It's great. It's not really. That's a good thing. <laughs> In the back. Yeah. 
So, for, for the benefit of the people online, so, yeah, so we talk about, we talk about enduring hardness, but Sudi actually is really enduring a lot of hardness and, uh, um, yeah. Yeah. Pluggy's Pluggy's plugging his self-defense course. <laughs> it's it's serious. It's serious business. So, so I so I spent some time in Saudi Arabia, and um, if if somebody um, kill somebody in your family or, uh, or like rape, that family can actually go and kill the person and it's legal. Yeah. Like, like in the law that like, that's okay. And, um, so the, these, these family matters are serious. I can't remember who the person was, but I remember there was a, um, a Muslim became a Christian starts ministering and he was, he was receiving death threats from his family and then even some attempts. And eventually he came to a point where he went back to see his father and his, and his brother met him at the airport. And he's like, look, you can kill me, but let me speak to our father first. Just, and so um, because this, this thing of honoring parents is super huge in the Muslim community. Well, so, so he went to his father and his, I can't remember what his father said, but basically he's like, he's like, no, I, I won't, I won't renounce Christianity, but part of my faith is just what you've taught me is honoring parents. And so I'm here so that you can kill me to regain your honor. So, uh, so I, I'm, uh, you know, I'm your son. I'm, I want to honor you. I'm here. Do with me as you will. And so that was it. That was the end of the problems. His father cried, hugged him. Yeah. So, I mean, praise the Lord. His father couldn't actually kill him, but yeah. It's, uh, and I don't know if his father ever came to Christ, but, uh, um, but that's how important family is. So for Muslims, and that's why she's going through that. <laughs> 
Your table. So assurance of salvation is hugely important, and and that's one of those things that's going to help you endure is uh, salvation. Do you guys have anything to say? No, we just got through the first few questions. Okay. And we, we have different, uh, like Matthew's about to start the discipleship soon. He's got the book, and Tim's still looking around with this program. He's in. He's just assessing churches. Yep. And I just got my feet stuck in the mud. We're praying for a conviction at this table. <laughs> Heavenly Father, Lord, uh, thank you for this time, Lord. Uh, thank you for your presence in our lives, Lord, and, and uh, your salvation. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would uh, dismiss us with your blessing. Um, Lord, uh, we pray for uh, Chris and Christine, Lord, that they would have a good, refreshing time away. Um, there was somebody I mentioned earlier that I wanted to pray for. Lord, I've forgotten the name. I've forgotten what it is. You know what it is. Uh, Lord, um, yeah, we love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Yes, thank you. And thank you online. See you guys. <laughs>